1: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast
0: with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ, and EJ Raddick is the guy that comes with the info, and he did not get a chance to talk about what happened to the Rangers on either front last week with the Wilson incident and then, of course, the firings of Gorton and John Davidson. So we'll get into other things, but we would be remiss if we didn't ask uh, EJ not only how he's doing, but also his thoughts on all those things with uh, the Broadway Blue Shirts. How are you, buddy?
1: I am good. I'm doing well. I hope you're the same. And uh, yeah, it's a cra- it was a crazy week. Like it seemed like the Tom Wilson thing seemed like it was like six months ago now. I mean, I, well yeah. going on?
0: And I want to get your thoughts on it, but it does feel like it's so done because of you know the Rangers' yeah. reaction on Wednesday and all that, but... God, EJ, you're always going to get varying opinions, right? But this seems very one-sided where people were just really former players, former enforcers, people around the league. I don't know if you talk to anybody different, but everybody seemed to universally believe that a suspension was warranted there. So is George Parros just playing three-dimensional chess while we're playing checkers? Or... What exactly is happening here when it just seemed to me like him getting a game or two would not have been that crazy a thought?
1: Yeah, no, I think I talked to George the day of the announcement when he was, I'm sure, getting a lot of calls and texts and messages from various people, a lot of them operating out of the uh, Rangers offices. And, uh, you know, I could tell he was a little beat up that day. And, I think if he had to do it again, I think he might just give him a game. But they have a process there of the way they do things. And, and I will say, at the end of the day, it was a scrum. Guy Wilson punches Bushnevich in the scrum. Dirty play. Got fined for that. Could have been maybe, you know, I'd like to see maybe, maybe if you don't want these kind of things happening in scrum, maybe you just put it in an automatic game as conduct for a guy who punches somebody in a scrum. You know, maybe that solves that problem. I don't know, but punched him. There was the brouhaha afterwards, and uh, and uh, that's where Panarin, you know, really tried to protect his teammate. Good for him. Uh, he's not the guy that you really want protecting your teammates. Um, he's an 11 million dollar player, and he's one of the top five players in the National Hockey League, and he's not the biggest guy, so. But to his credit, he jumped in, he jumped on Tom Wilson's back, Wilson threw him around, kinda of ragdolled him a little bit. You know, at the end of the day, to me, yeah, his helmet came off and that was the dangerous part that he kinda of threw him to the ice and he could have got hurt. Now we can look at scrums from here to from here to the end of the you know, the calendar year, and you could say the guy could have got hurt in it, because that's just the nature of those things. People take advantage of one another in scrums. There's a lot of nasty things that go on in scrums. Uh, so for me, it wasn't that out of the ordinary what happened. It just was that it was Tom Wilson, who everybody knows and for the most part has an opinion about and is a lightning rod type guy, and it was uh, a superstar player who's much smaller that lost his helmet and could have been seriously hurt. So, again, I, I, I just think it became way more than, than maybe it could have been based on the characters involved. Maybe you give him a game suspension, but like it's not like a lifetime ban. He would have no. got it was, you know, based on based on what we've seen over our lifetimes in hockey.
0: But, but let me just interrupt for a second, quick. All right, is you're right. We see that all the time. But you just described in in, in a perfect way, by the way, how like everything is when it's all equal. But, but I do think there should be different treatment for Tom Wilson based on his past. He's suspended five times. He had a seven-game suspension earlier in the year. So, yeah, that happens all the time. But when it's Wilson, when it's somebody that has been involved in these things, and is one of three people that could have jumped him, right? He already pummeled Bushnevich. He sees Zibana Jadis to his right. So it's either Fox, Strom, or Panarin. So he doesn't have to worry about Brendan Smith jumping on him. So the whole idea was he didn't know who was on him. He knew. He's a smart enough player to know it's a Ranger power play, and anybody jumping him is not going to be anybody of any significance. He knows the Rangers roster, that there isn't a lot of guys that are really going to be able to take care of business to anything that Tom Wilson's going to have to worry about. So why can't those things be taken in consideration to separate them from just every other scrum when things might not be involving a player with that kind of history? Or there could have been a legitimate chance that whoever jumped Tom Wilson, things would have been a little bit more even for Wilson to react the way that he did.
1: Well, the way the league operates in these circumstances, is, as you know, is they look at the situation without uh, looking at the people involved. They take that out and so they determine whether they feel something is suspendable based on just the action involved. So now, could they do that differently? And should they in cases where players such as a Tom Wilson or maybe in the past a Brad Marchand have identified themselves through their actions as someone that maybe deserves a different kind of uh, treatment? Perhaps. But to this point, they haven't done that. They have a kind of process that they go through. So that's the first thing I would say. And, you know, as for, you know, I don't know. I can't tell you if, if Tom knew who was on his back. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Only Tom Wilson could really tell us that. But I always apply the standard, if you put your finger in my mouth and I bite you, that's your fault. Don't put your finger in my mouth. And so if you're, if you're going to jump on Tom Wilson's back, just know you're jumping on Tom Wilson's back. He's way bigger. He's more dangerous. These are things you got to consider. So, for me, I didn't like the incident. If he would have got suspended, I would have had no problem at all with it. But at the end of the day, there was this discussion that Tom Wilson should have had a lifetime ban based on this. I think the league had wow. to go back and change the rules if they want to have that kind of significant suspension for what happened. What they'll have to do is make new rules that apply to a scrum and as i said you punch a guy in the scrum you're out of the game and you're subject to supplemental review that would stop guys punching each other in the scrums i think
0: now there's a a bunch of different places to go from there for sure because yeah. if, like you mentioned yeah, it you know is. should they should they change those things whatever but but hey Listen. At the end of the day, EJ, it's ridiculous for anybody to accept suggest that Tom Wilson be thrown out of the league because he's got a union that protects that from ever happening. So why would you want as a commissioner to do something that you know is going to completely get laughed at and not happen? You know, so you just can't. It can't be done. I mean, there's a lot of people that I respect in this league saying he should be thrown out. Well, good luck doing that. You know, and also the people. How does he only get a five thousand dollar fine? Well, because it's the maximum fine you can give. You know, so I think the union's culpable in this as well, E.J., because and it happens in every sport, happened with the Astros in baseball, where the perp gets protected and the victims don't. You know, Panarin and Bushnevich are in the same union that Tom Wilson is. So why does the Wilson protect the perpetrator and not protect the players that are also in the union that get victimized by his behavior? So the union is definitely culpable in this as well.
1: Well, they're in a tough spot, right? Because they have to defend both guys. I mean, they're all, as you point out, they're all in the same union. And that's gone on in all the sports for a long time. So, at the end of the day, if the league wants to look at changing rules around scrums, which they can easily do, that would clean that up a little bit. I mean, the following day, I saw Minnesota, I think they were playing Vegas, but I saw Kaprizov, who I would say is not a tough guy, a rookie in the league, he got punched in the scrum, and he punched the guy right back. So, I mean, things happen. I think, you know, uh, it was unfortunate. Tom Wilson's a big man. And, uh, you know, I would, I personally, I would take a different tack than to jump on his back. But, you know, these things happen in sports, and just let's hope that Artemi Panarin is okay. And Tom Wilson plays on that edge, Don. You know, if he continues to play in the same manner he has, he's going to get suspended more significantly down the road, and it's really going to impact his career. So, you know, well, we will see where it goes. But I thought in this particular case, I did think that there was more made of it because of the events, Panarin, Wilson, Rangers, Capitals, Madison Square Garden, there was just more made of it than it would have been if it was, I don't know, carolina nashville and, uh, you know, on a Monday night somewhere with players that are not as significant.
0: No, and there's no question. And, and it didn't work sure, out for the league that the next games on national television you have what ended up happening in the first four minutes and 14 seconds. But also, let's be honest, too. And we talked about this off the air. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. So an entire third period for the Rangers to retaliate did not retaliate to the point where they get the ultimate embarrassment of Wilson on the ice to score the empty net goal to finish the Rangers off. So there was an entire period for there to be some sort of a response from Smith, from Rooney, guys that do have the ability, even Strom, who did fight in the game on Wednesday, they had an entire period to respond and didn't, and many people believe that that ended up leading to the dismissals of Gordon and uh, John Davidson.
1: Well, I would. I mean, I, we had that conversation. I mean, that was one of the first things that came to mind for me, John. As kind of, I mean, I'm an old school kind of hockey guy because just like I'm old and I've seen, I've seen, we just like you and I have seen like the history of this game play out. And while it's changed dramatically in the 30 or 40 years that uh, we've seen there is still an element of intimidation that happens in all sports. I mean, it happens even in baseball where pitchers throw inside the batters, and that's changed over time. But at the end of the day, you still have to take care of those guys in your room. If you're in that room, if you're on that bench, I mean, you're in this together. And I did feel that in the third period, the Rangers had more than enough opportunities to, to try to settle a score with Wilson right there, and they didn't. And in the end, he ends up beating them and then having the last lap. So... Listen, it's all water under the bridge now. Uh, The Rangers made the change. I don't think that uh, that incident, uh, it might have impacted the timing of the move, but based on the people that I've talked to, that move was in the works for several days, if not weeks. And um, it was going to happen. And uh, we will see what happens moving forward with Chris Murray now uh, running the show and with Glenn Saylor. You know, apparently kind of back in a more, in more of a position of uh, direct impact to things. I found it very interesting to see Glenn tanned, rested, and ready up there on the podium with uh, Chris, or at least in the Zoom shot somehow. So uh, it's good, it's it's interesting to see how these kind of things play out. It just reminds us of the uh, the nature of management and ownership in professional sports and how it sometimes works.
0: Yeah, no, there's no question. And then you go, because it, it does. Go back to the the uh, series against the Islanders. When you know Lingren went down, when Truba went down, there was an elbow thrown by Martin to Zibanejad that wasn't answered. There's a lot of things that were building up, but you know, in defense of Gordon and John Davidson, I'm sure these things would have been addressed. I, I love when I, I get there.
1: I completely agree. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and because I, I mean, you'll get people who are defending the firing saying, "Well, you know, remember when the Rangers brought in Noonan and they brought in Matteau and they brought in McTavish? That was all done the year at the trading deadline. They won the cup. You know, so the, it's ever evolving, right? I mean, you're building, you're drafting. You've got the youngest team in the National Hockey League. You get through this truncated season, and then during the off season, you address like the needs. It, it's not like all of a sudden we need this. You snap your fingers, and it's instantly there." it's it's accumulated over time. And as optimistic as you want to be about the Rangers, they were not winning a cup next year. You know They were building towards that, and all that could have been addressed.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that it's just interesting, Don. They wrote the letter. They go into the rebuild. They make some trades to get picks and prospects. They've accumulated this number of really – they've stockpiled a number of really talented prospects, some of whom we've seen already, some of whom we haven't. And But they also, in concert with that, they went out and signed Artemi Panarin to a deal that pays them more than $11 million a year. They went out and traded and subsequently signed Jacob Truba to a long-term contract that pays them, I believe, $8 million a year. So they've kind of tried to do two things at once to accelerate this rebuild, which those things are, I think they're they're fine to do. But maybe it creates this idea that, hey, we're further along. Like in the NBA, if you acquire, for example, LeBron James, you've accelerated your rebuild because one player can make a huge difference in the NBA. In the NHL, one player is really helpful. It's more helpful when he's a number one defenseman, like if you were to acquire a Victor Hedman, or a number one center like if you were to acquire a Connor McDavid. But even those guys, they can't dramatically impact a team that doesn't have the pieces around them. So the Rangers philosophically, it seems like we're doing two things at once. I think from what I understand, ownership was of the mind that we have Panarin. We're wasting these really good years with him thinking we need to have a longer rebuild. Let's accelerate. Let's do something at the deadline. Let's move some of these younger guys to get players that can help Panarin and help us now. I don't necessarily think that's the way to go, but that's just my opinion and maybe the opinion of the majority for all I know. But the reality is I don't own the Rangers, and the guy that owns the Rangers feels like the team should be better and they should be further along and closer to being ultimately a stanley cup winner right now so he makes the move i'm really was shocked about john davidson that's the one i did. i literally gasped don i i actually yeah. got a little bit of a tip on tuesday night that this was happening and uh I was kind of sworn to secrecy so i hid under my bed because it was such a big story i, I you know it was one of these things you just couldn't imagine and uh you know, that's the thing, I guess, where I heard that was John Davidson was in the mix of being moved out because he'd only been there two years and he had such a connection to the Ranger organization for many, many years. And, you know, the Jeff Wharton thing, I think Jeff has done a great job as the general manager. I don't think there's any question about that for me. And I think he's going to get another opportunity. But Jeff is not a, you know, he's not a high-profile guy. And Chris Drury is. And Chris Drury has had opportunities to go elsewhere. So maybe the owner felt that, hey, listen, Chris Drury is... I want him as the manager, and uh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose him if I don't put him in that role soon. So maybe that was the impetus there. I just the Davidson thing I think is really fascinating, and you know the fact that Sather is now more back in the mix is another interesting dynamic there. But they got a lot of hard choices to make moving forward, and uh, you know, and not the least of which is what they do with Vic as the manager. Has got one year left on his deal. He's been a terrific. Player for the Rangers, and he's you know he's a legit number one center. But by time they get into that next contract, if they sign him, that's seven or eight years most likely, and he's around thirty at that time. So that's just that's that's just one of, of a multitude of decisions. Yeah. But to go back real quick to the other thing, I do think that that Gordon and Davidson would have addressed the toughness issue, and they would have continued to build the team. So I mean, I, I feel bad for those guys, and particularly for Jeff because. You know, I think Jeff does nothing but get up in the morning and do the work. And, uh, you know, there's two lines in life. Somebody told me, one for the work and one for the credit. Get on the line for the work because it's always shorter. And Jeff is just doing the work. And, you know, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward.
0: Yeah, I feel bad for both of them. Um, You know, especially J.D. This is something he's dreamed of forever um, when he left broadcasting. And um, that was his dream job. And now he doesn't have it anymore. But I, I think both will land on their feet if jd wants to get into broadcasting he's got two networks to choose from i think if he wanted to go back there and i think other teams would give him a chance to to be a part of their front office as well yep, so. all right couple of things before we get out of dodge here um i don't know we we've talked so much about like everything is kind of compromised in this pandemic season but I'm sorry. I, I really have a lot of trouble throwing cold water on what Connor McDavid is doing. And, and, and I get you're playing the same seven teams, and I get that that's not exactly a division with a lot of defense and a lot of great goaltending. But 100 points in what is it, 52 games? That's that's an amazing, an amazing season to me. So what would he have? Would he have had 170 points in a regular season? Probably not. But I'm not going to sit here in disrespect what this kid's done. No, I don't
1: want to diminish it either, and the same for austin matthews scoring 40 goals and i believe it was something like 49 games these are terrific accomplishments and connor is a great great player now is it true that uh the teams in the north division uh don't defend well yeah i would say that's true and is it true that it's a different year and they're they're playing these teams a lot yeah all that's true but if it's so easy why isn't anybody else even close right outside of, I guess, Leon Dreisaitl, who's his teammate, and probably benefited from being with him. So McDavid has been just fantastic this year. I think he's taken his game to another level. I think he's used his speed in all three zones this year, which has impressed me. That's the maturation process of a star player that has to learn what it takes to uh, help lead a team to a championship down the road. So I think that's been great to see as well. But... uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to diminish it anyway. I mean, to score a hundred points in fifty-two games when no one else is close is a pretty, right. pretty impressive accomplishment.
0: And does he get the does he get the heart, or do you then look at what Crosby's done in Pittsburgh with all their injuries, overachieving, winning what I think was the toughest division in the NHL? Does that surpass what McDavid has done?
1: Not for me. Now, I don't vote on it, so it's the Professional Hockey Writers Association votes it. The players vote for the Ted Lindsay Award. I assume Connor McDavid's going to win both of those relatively easily, but people will vote, they'll have their opinions, and we'll go from there, but I don't think there's, in my mind, there's just no doubt, and I have no yeah. disrespect to Crosby. He's had a terrific year, and he probably hasn't been talked about enough for what he's done there with the Penguins this year, but uh, for me, be hard-pressed. I mean, the Oilers are are locked into the playoffs. They've had actually a very good year, and uh, for me, it's a a no-doubt-about-it kind of thing.
0: And now, what are you hearing, EJ, that we'll start the playoffs on Saturday with the North still finishing things up in the regular season?
1: That is something I did hear from one of the coaches I spoke to last week, that it would be like a week. So that's one of the things I'm trying to look into today and see if I can get some clarity on that because I think fans are looking for clarity on that. You know, everybody, the people ask me now, like, when are the playoffs starting? And I'm like, wow, that's a good question. So uh, so we're going to try to get some clarity on that today and uh, maybe we'll have some of that information on, our, on the show on NHL yeah. Now at 4 o'clock on NHL Network. But, I mean, they've got to have a plan out there for fans pretty soon and and that is what I had heard from a coach that you know a coach from the central that was talking about that's the idea that we would play like over the weekend like several days off so we'll see if that is indeed what happens
0: and we pretty much have our 16 teams Montreal is not officially uh clinched a spot but they're only one point away from doing that so uh, you know it's going to be Montreal and as a matter of fact you look at the north I think it's all set right Toronto Montreal Edmonton Winnipeg uh, in the first round. Toronto and Montreal would play them, uh, each other for the first time since 1979. Edmonton-Winnipeg looks like that'd be great. A- have you been able to figure out what's wrong with the Jets? What have they lost? Eight of their last nine? What's going on there?
1: Well, they lost Nikolai Ehlers, who's, who's been a really good player for them this year. And, you know, when you think about their team, I, I just didn't think that he that would be a huge impact because the, the kind of, you know, look at their team. they you know, the defense is where they're thin because they have a number of high-end forwards there, but, uh, you know, his loss has impacted them, and it's just one less option up front for, for Paul Maurice, and the, the defense has struggled a little bit. Connor Hellebuck, there's a lot, so much pressure on him that, you know, they give up scoring chances there, and if he's not, you know, at the very top of his game, you know, that's problematic for them as well. So they're just looking to find their way right now, and you know, they're supposed to get Oilers back. Um, you know, we're not. they have a little time between now and when the playoffs are going to begin in the North. So that's, that's probably helpful for them. But certainly they've got to find their game. And the other part of the problem is they have not matched up very well against the Edmonton Oilers in particular in recent games. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, we've seen this before, Don, in all the sports where teams have stumbled down the stretch and somehow found their legs in the playoffs. So uh, they do have Hellebuck. And if Elbowucks is playing well, he always gives them a puncher's chance in any game. Yeah,
0: no, that's definitely true. So things are locked up in the Central as well. Carolina wins the division; they'll take on Nashville, and this Florida-Tampa matchup. I'm really excited for that. I mean, these oh are baby. two teams that can oh win baby. a cup, and one of them is going to go out in the first round.
1: Yeah, yeah, and defending Stanley Cup champions uh, who are getting who are uh, likely to get a draw back and hopefully Stamkos, so they're going to have a little bit of a different look. And, you know, they're going to be asked to do something now that's really quite difficult, in my view, is to run the gauntlet of four series twice in less than a year, really in about nine months. Because remember, they won the Cup in, what, September last year so. I think it's a good matchup for the Florida Panthers. Uh, I mean, they're on their hands full because the, the defending champs are terrific, and when they get everybody going there, I mean, they are a hard team to deal with. But the Panthers aren't – they are not bothered by them at all. They've played some really very good games against them this year. Much They play much better against Tampa than they do against Carolina for whatever reason. Uh, so that could be a real barn burner. It'll be fun to see the, those geographical rivals – when they finally get into a playoff series, right? The Rangers-Islanders got hot in the 70s when, the, when they met in the playoffs a couple times. You know, Devils-Rangers got hot in the 90s with playoff beatings. Uh, you know, Kings and Ducks got hot in the, uh, you know, in, the, in like a decade ago when they had some really big playoff series. So this is the first time for the Panthers and the Lightning, and, uh, boy, I think that's going to be just a crazy, crazy series of two teams that don't like each other. And uh, mm-hmm. wow, I'm really looking forward to
0: it. And they will play uh, again tonight. EJ, I know you got to run. We will talk again next Monday. Hopefully by then, the playoffs will be underway. We'll figure out what's going on and it should be a lot of fun, man.
1: You got it, buddy.
0: All right. That is the great EJ Raddick touching on some of the things and some spillover from last week. Uh, quickly, the games tonight. You know, the season's not over. A lot of makeup games. The meaningful games. Bruins playing host to the Islanders. Islanders still have a chance to finish third in the division, which could mean home ice advantage in the second round if they get out. So that's a big game. Uh, Boston still has a chance to uh, climb up and get home ice, so that's meaningful. Montreal can clinch a playoff berth. They're taking on the Edmonton Oilers, and we'll see how the Oilers handle Connor McDavid here for their games remaining since he's already got the 100 points and Edmonton's locked into the two. We'll see if he gets any kind of rest. As we mentioned, Lightning Panthers, a preview of their first-round series. Jets trying to get well against the Vancouver Canucks. Hurricanes have already clinched the division. Nashville already um, set for the four seed, so it's interesting. Tonight, you're going to get a preview of both series out of the Central with Tampa and Florida and with Carolina and the Predators. Uh, and everybody else just basically playing out the string. You've got the Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights is the late game out west, and right now, four points separate those two teams, with Colorado still having a game in hand, so the first place spot in the west still up for grabs, so that game still has meaning there. Back with you again on Wednesday. Sorry we didn't get to any tweets, but we're really up against it, but I wanted to get a podcast up after the weekend and, and talk to EJ about his thoughts on what happened with the Rangers last week. We'll be back with you again on Wednesday. We'll do a lot of your tweets and hopefully you'll have a little bit more clarity on when the playoffs will start and the matchup so we'll talk to you again on Wednesday this was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct this is the Game Misconduct podcast with Don LaGreca